0: Vintage Vinyl, the record shop on Delmar, is a St. Louis institution, and a recent Nine Network documentary features its owner, Tom Papa Ray.
1: This is a media storage unit called an LP. And this is a media storage unit called a 7-inch 45. Now these have both been around the block, but you know each one of these sounds better than your iPod or that mp3. So the question is, what else are they lying to you about? One,
2: two, three, four! I want to everybody to get up now. Let's do the St. Louis breakdown. Come on.
0: That's from Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow. It re-airs tonight at 1030 on Nine PBS.
1: One of our intents with this episode was, uh, quite sincerely, to do what we call a, uh, a love letter to our city.
0: Vintage vinyl has been a St. Louis institution for four decades now. The shop on Delmar began as a booth in the Soulard Farmer's Market, where Tom Ray, better known as Papa Ray, and Lou Prince sold records. 41 years later, Tom Ray is still selling records and drawing music lovers from across the metro area. I'm Sarah Fenske, and this is St. Louis on the Air. And before we move on, I want to remind you that the biggest source of St. Louis Public Radio's funding comes from listeners like you. Because you value what you hear on St. Louis on the Air, donate today. Go to stlpr.org slash donate. That's stlpr.org slash donate. I spoke with Tom Ray in September. We're happy to once again bring you this conversation.
1: It is a musical day in the Del Mar Loop. Great to be with you, Sarah.
0: So, Tom, this documentary is about vintage vinyl, but it's also about music, and it's about St. Louis. Do you feel like your soul has just been captured in documentary form?
1: I hope the musical soul of St. Louis has been captured. And uh, one of our intents with this episode was, uh, quite sincerely, to do what we call a, uh, a love letter to our city.
0: And you say this episode, I know you have some plans to have future episodes. Uh, what are you thinking on those lines?
1: We are having, well, we've planned for a while to have a docu-series on independent record stores, their relationship to their communities, their cities, and their relationship not only to their customers, but to whatever the music uh, you know, traditions and scene in their particular town is at the time
0: so that's been your dream for a while uh, what's the hold up on on bringing that to reality it seems like such a no-brainer
1: well money
0: <laughs> isn't that always the problem
1: uh, but uh, there's you know there's there's been um how to put it uh several eras of this since about 2014 uh, at one point somebody wanted it wanted us to do a uh, slick reality TV show with The mating habits of millennials on the forefront. We didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And none of my staff uh, wanted to even be on camera for it, which just made me uh, feel incredibly proud. This seems like a sign of uh, good
0: judgment right there.
1: Right, right. But uh, what we're looking at now is uh, with this episode, uh, we're hoping it's going to stir some uh, interest. Uh, Perhaps uh, PBS will want to do an ongoing series or or someone else. Hmm.
0: You say um, in this show, you say you opened a record store because you wanted to be in the music industry on your own terms, but you weren't sure you could get a job elsewhere. Can that actually be true? That sounds way too self-deprecating.
1: Well, I did have a job at the time when I when I came when I returned to St. Louis from uh, Manhattan. I did have a part-time job as a uh, as an usher at a movie theater in West County that has since been torn down.
0: Hmm.
1: And I did have a uh, uh a weekend gig playing music with a gentleman named silvercloud but um honestly uh at that point, 1979, 1980, the music industry was experiencing its first actual uh recession since uh nineteen twenty nine And it just seemed like a good time to uh, try and do what we were wanting to do.
0: Hmm. And you say um, when you came back to St. Louis, what originally brought you here? I can tell from your accent um, you are not a native.
1: Uh, A car brought me. And uh, it brought me up here because I had gotten a uh, really nice scholarship at Webster College where I met many wonderful people and, um, you know, had the feeling that the inmates had been handed the keys to the asylum.
0: That's a great feeling. Yes. So you were here for Webster, and then you went to New York. What brought you back?
1: Um, How to put it? Uh, I've been in Manhattan for three years. I realized that the kind of store uh, my then business partner and I at the time were envisioning didn't really exist in St. Louis. Both of us were very fond of being in St. Louis, Uh, and it was just a... It just seemed like an opportunity.
0: Hmm. And as as I mentioned in that intro, you started at the farmer's market. How were you able to take the leap from just selling these things at a booth to saying, you know what, we're going to open a brick-and-mortar store?
1: Well, we started in August of 1979. Uh, We're building a clientele uh, through the succeeding months. And uh, in uh, the spring of uh, 1980, which... uh, you know, was not the, the the busiest era in the Del Mar Loop. We found about an 800-square-foot store and uh, opened our doors there.
0: Hmm. So as you mentioned, this wasn't a great time in the music industry. This wasn't a great time in the Del Mar Loop. It sounds like you had some challenges there in the beginning that maybe this wouldn't be time somebody would have picked if they were trying to do it perfectly. Uh, why do you think you were able to succeed in spite of two pretty big obstacles right there?
1: Um. Well, as I say in the documentary, there were two things that the Del Mar Loop had. Uh, it was certainly uh, the closest thing uh, to, a, to a multicultural uh, center in our city. It was a racial neutral zone. It had Washington University nearby, and it had that very rare thing. People actually walked up and down the street.
0: <laughs> so you were able to lure them in just by having a door that was open.
1: Um, well and uh you know, there was already two other record stores on the street. We opened up between the two of them and within a couple of years had bought out the owner of the other uh store on Del Mar. And uh, you know, I figured with uh the then Streetside record record chain operating their sort of their uh you know, mothership on Del Mar, it it really helped make the U City area Uh, a destination for people looking for music.
0: It's interesting. It seems almost counterintuitive. You went to where your competition was because you knew that's where the the music lovers were. Uh,
1: Call it confidence.
0: (laughs) Now, this documentary, again, this is uh, Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow on the Nine Network. It actually features a commercial that you did way back in the day. We kind of felt like we had to play this one. So let's listen to this commercial. This is going back decades here
1: yes st lulu papa ray vintage vinyl saying look it's time for some cd and dvd spring cleaning yeah that's right time to get rid of those unwanted cds and dvds vintage vinyl gives you more in cash vintage vinyl gives you more in trade and yes we want your used cds dvds and LPs. vintage vinyl your music now now now
0: and that, of course, is a commercial for vintage vinyl, um, as as shown on Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow now on the Nine Network. Uh, Tom Ray, I got to ask you, St. Lulu, did you really call it that back in the day?
1: Uh, you know, uh, no holes barred. And uh, to be honest, uh, at that time in the record industry, they had a thing called co-op advertising. This is when the music industry really had money. And they were always, you know, after a while the labels were wanting us to uh, you know, buy uh print ads. But I always maintained that going on radio was a much more dynamic way of reaching customers and uh I always viewed our com- our commercials as sort of like 30 and 60 second recordings and wanted to make sure that it didn't sound like you know, a uh, an advertisement for uh, timeshares in the Ozarks, or uh, you know, uh, the latest uh, watering hole out in. Uh Westport. Hmm.
0: As much as that commercial just, it sounds like kind of a lark and you're obviously having fun with it. I know music is something you take very seriously. That also comes across in this documentary. Um, Now, Randall Roberts used to be the Riverfront Times music editor. He's now a staff writer with the LA Times, covers music for them. He's in this documentary quite a bit. And in this clip I want to play here, he explains what music means to you.
1: For Tom, it's a spiritual thing in his own way. He is kind of a preacher for music and for the spirituality of music. He lives it as a performer, as a DJ clerk. He loves being on the floor teaching people about music. It's not just about running a store or making money to live, it's his life
0: and that is L.A. Times writer Randall Roberts. Um, Tom, if 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 this is a religion for you, what would you consider your come-to-Jesus moment when you found uh, what music would mean to you in your life?
1: Well, to begin with, I've never seen a dollar walk down the street, give anybody a hug. If it had really been only about money, I would have probably gone into the preaching business. Hmm. But uh, I just always was—I ex- mean, when I was at the age of five, if I heard a A Bo Diddley record or a James Brown record or a little bit when I was a little older. uh, It could be, uh, you know, it could be a Marty Robbins record or it could be anything on the radio. And it just, I would be spellbound. I'd be like a hypnotized chicken.
0: A hypnotized chicken. That's a that's a pretty good turn of phrase there, I have to say. Now, you started this store with Lou Prince, who's also very well-known in the St. Louis area. You guys parted ways about five years ago, very amicable split. Did he feel the same way about music, or did you guys have different perspectives that you brought to this business you built together?
1: Well, he was from the Northeast. I was from the Deep South. Uh, I think in some ways I had a more visceral um, exposure to the music, and... Um, but, uh, you know, we had both had experience working for other people in the music industry. And, you know, we were ready to, so to speak, uh, throw in our lot with the other stores in St. Louis.
0: Hmm. What do you think changed for him? Why did he decide it was time to give it up?
1: <sighs> um, I think the music business had perhaps uh, was no longer uh, as much fun as it was, and, and certainly there are, you know, when you're in a, you know, here's the example I give. If you could order a beer or a martini for free online, how much blood would pour out of the bodies of bar owners?
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, so, it, you know, the economics changed it is, so dramatically.
1: Well, you know, and, and so for us, part of it is, is, uh, Making it worthwhile to come to the store, making it worthwhile to music listeners uh, to have that sort of communal experience and to be able to actually hold physical music in their hands. Mm -hmm.
0: What kept you going when when clearly some sea changes in the industry and nobody could blame your partner for deciding, this is too much change, I'm moving on?
1: Well, it was too late to stop now and once more, nobody was going to give me a job. (laughs)
0: you weren't ready to retire yet
1: (laughs) no I mean actually uh, one of our customers uh, one of my customers years ago uh, who's in the insurance industry uh, you know used his uh, salesman's voice and said well Tom uh, what are your retirement plans and I looked at him and said my retirement plan is to drop dead on the floor of the store talking to somebody about music and I hope it doesn't mess them up too much (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is, you know what? I'm going to save this for your obituary because you have just, you've captured the way that anyone who loves their job wants to go out. And, and that just really comes across in this new documentary. That again is Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow. And we are talking to the Papa Ray himself, that is the co-founder and owner of the store, Tom Ray. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. We're listening back today to my conversation with Tom Ray. He's the founder of Vintage Vinyl, and he still sells music there today, 41 years after he started the business with Lou Prince. He's the star of a documentary that premiered on the Nine Network in September. It's called Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow, and it re-airs on Nine PBS tonight at 1030. Now, during our show in September, we heard from several listeners— Um, Tom, we're hearing from a lot of people who have some memories of Vintage Vinyl. I can't say I'm surprised by that. I I imagine it's hard for you to go anywhere in this town without people wanting to talk to you about what this store meant to them.
1: Uh, There are worse things to have happen to you. And I just really quickly want to say the main reason Vintage Vinyl is one of the very, very best music stores in the United States is I have an absolutely ace staff and they always make me look good. And I'm always when going around in St. Louis having people say, your people are so nice. They, they know so much. Uh, so that is a big, big part of the... Uh of the equation,
0: You know, it's interesting. You said in um, in this documentary, Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow, that when you saw High Fidelity with the snobbish record clerks there, that just made you <laughs> cringe. You're going for quite the opposite thing than what a, a lot of people associate with an indie record store.
1: I sank down in my seat. I, I mean, I, it was just physically uncomfortable. I was going,
0: oh, I've seen that.
1: Oh, oh.
0: So, so you had a real desire not to be music snobs. I'm sorry? You had a real desire at your shop not to be music snobs in the way the clerks in that store, they just want to show off their own knowledge.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I always say is it's all ear candy. That's what music is. It is something that is a balm and a blessing to humans. And if somebody wants to listen to, uh, you know, I, I tell my staff, that person who's buying music that you may not particularly like, well, guess what? That helps pay your salary. Hmm.
0: Let's go to the phone lines. Um, Tom is calling from South County. Um, Hi, Tom, you're on St. Louis on the Air.
1: Yes, thank you. When I was a teenager in the 80s, uh, Lou and, and Tom were the guys behind the counter and talk about a customer service precedent. I'd go in there and I'd say, I've heard about this Muddy Waters, where do I start? And they'd hand me a chess records collection. I'd say, I've heard about Lenny Bruce, where do I start? And they'd say, with the Carnegie Hall concert, Uh, and uh, those records are still the most important records I own today, and I just, uh, my experience uh, obviously probably represents that of thousands of other St. Louisans and Midwesterners, and I just thank you, Tom.
0: Thank you. Uh, Tom, thank you you for that. That's a great testimonial. Um, Tom Ray, do you ever find yourself getting stumped? Somebody comes in with a question like that and you actually couldn't answer it?
1: absolutely, which is why I've got my staff.
0: <laughs> it's not because, all you. <laughs> I mean,
1: we, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a tag team. You know, if somebody asks me about something and I don't know, I can always find somebody on staff that uh, knows more than me.
0: Hmm. Let's go back to the phone lines. Dave is calling from St. Louis. Um, Dave, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: I just wanted to add that not not only has Tom created an incredibly successful music store that still thrives today in, in the online world, but he also has always been behind-the-scenes supporter of local bands going back to Tommy Bankhead at the Blues El Dorado, and he plays a pretty neat harmonica as well.
0: Hmm. Well, Dave, thank you for sharing that. Um, this harmonica, have you heard Tom play the harmonica?
1: Oh, yeah, many times. Uh, you can catch him around town if you're lucky. He sits in with several bands that I know
0: of. Wow. Well, that's a good little pro tip there. Um, Dave, thank you for that call. And and Tom, who knew? Where can one see you live in in the flesh? I guess this is probably the wrong time with uh, the coronavirus raging.
1: You know, it breaks my heart, but I haven't played out in six months. Mm. And uh, but I'll say this. uh, If I can go if i can perform in in st louis and north st louis and east st louis if i can play on a blues set and uh you know get applause coming on and going off when i did the same thing in london or new york or new orleans or montreal believe me there was no stage fright involved because you know this this is this town here is the it is one of the great foundation cities for music in the world.
0: Hmm. Tom, I want to bounce off something that Dave said. He talked about the work you've done to promote the music scene here. You talk a bit in the film about how St. Louis has this talent, but you also say that the, it didn't necessarily have the business side there to monetize it. Why do you think that hasn't come together for us with all the talent there is here?
1: It is a total mystery, and the the example I give is this everybody that is associated pretty much as the kings of Chicago blues, they were all in St. Louis, performing in St. Louis, living in St. Louis pretty much before they made the move to Chicago. So if there had been someone here, let's say in 1946 or 47, who would have been able to record those artists as they were coming up from Mississippi, the term Chicago blues would not have nearly as much resonance.
0: Hmm. So this is a great missed opportunity for the city.
1: Uh, One of the problems in St. Louis with both the political and corporate class is that they have never been able to figure out how to successfully monetize the city's music profile, heritage, and legacy. Other cities do it all the time. But for some reason, we have cultural amnesia in St. Louis as far as music. Hmm.
0: That's a very sobering thought. Uh, Let's go back to the phone lines. Jeff is calling from South St. Louis County. Um, Jeff, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Yeah, hello.
2: Uh, Repeat that again. I'm sorry. Yeah, so
0: I was just saying you're on the air. Thank you for joining us. Um, What's your vintage vinyl story?
2: Oh, well... I just, just Tom and uh, Lou, they've been around a long time, and I mean, they're from the streets of St. Louis. They worked their way up. Uh, they deserve all the uh, all the things they've achieved, uh, and I mean, I've seen it. and They and they work for the common wheel, the common good. Uh, they would do KDHX, and uh, I mean, <laughs> what could you ask for? You couldn't ask for better. Uh, and the other thing, Tom, he hit a, St. Louis has this weird cultural. Amnesia, and it's it's people like Tom Ray and um, and you know the, the, his associates that um, make St. Louis um, a place to be. That, that it's significant as far as monetizing. I think Tom did a good job at monetizing for himself.
0: Jeff, that's a that's a great point. Um, at least at least uh, two businessmen here have figured out how to monetize the great music scene here. And Jeff, thank you for that uh, testimonial um, to Tom's work here. Let's go back to the phone lines. Marty is calling from St. Louis. Um, Marty, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air.
2: Oh uh, all right. All right. Uh, I'm doing okay, and uh, I just want to say hello to Papa Ray. Uh, and Amen. Uh, hey Hey, what's going on, Papa Ray? How you doing, man? Enjoyed your show, too. And, uh, you know, uh, when I first, one of the times I met Papa Ray was was at a harp attack at the Off-Broadway. And, uh, had the pleasure of playing and bagging all the harmonica players, but Papa Ray did his own thing, and, uh, he stood out, you know? Because, uh, he he just had his own style of doing, doing things, and, uh, one of the things that I always appreciate about Vintage Vinyl is their longevity, because there was a lot of record shops around and stuff, and then they start slowly going out by the wayside. But Vintage Vinyl just stayed stayed there and was on focus and everything, and uh, anything that you wanted to get, you know, new or old, it was there. Marty, and uh, that- I appreciate him way he, uh, like I said, takes care of the, the local scene around here.
0: Marty, thank you so much for that. And Tom, there's an actual testimonial um, to your harmonica playing. This seems to be, you've got a lot of fans, not just for for the records that you sell, but also for the music that you've made.
1: Well, you know, I had the advantage of apprenticing, so to speak, with people in St. Louis who had played with Ike Turner, who had played with Albert King, who had played with Chuck Berry, who had played with Little Milton Campbell. Hmm. Uh I mean, that that was the home team there. And and as I said earlier, uh, you know, if you learn to be able to to do it, to be convincing on stage in the blues field in St. Louis, you can walk out on stage anywhere on the planet and look to people and kind of grin and say, I'm here to give you the blues
0: Hmm. <laughs> we also heard from a number of our listeners on social media on our St. Louis on the Year Facebook page, also our Twitter, uh, Mary's memory of vintage vinyl. She remembers hanging out in the 80s and buying a Rubber Soul album and also taking my audiophile teen and watching his eyes get big as we walked in. Tom, you're probably at the point where you've had now generations of music fans finding you.
1: I get to kiss babies.
0: That's uh, every like, every politician's dream, right?
1: Well, but and and you know and and I kind of at times feel like I'm the pharmacist or or, or the doctor in a small town that has you know seen the generations in that area develop and all and uh, it's a wonderful feeling. It's uh, all sincerity. It's it's a real blessing.
0: Um, M. Edwards also writes on Twitter, found an Elmore James CD that I'd been looking for for a long time and yelled out Eureka so loud, I scared my husband who was standing on the other side of the (laughs) store. (laughs) I miss browsing there. And I I do want to say, as much as I know some people miss browsing there, they're staying at home for good reason. Um, Tom, you guys are actually open. People can come in and and look around. They just need to keep their distance. Is that correct?
1: Well, we're lucky that we've got a 7,000-square-foot store. And that allows quite a number of people to be able to come in and still be, you know, safely socially distanced. We closed four days before Missouri asked uh, businesses to, and we waited two extra weeks after May 18th before we did open our doors because we wanted to do it it exactly right. And one more time, my staff has uh, just really stepped up. Very, very heroic.
0: And have you found our sales down just because people aren't out and about so much right now?
1: Our sales are awfully good. Hmm. Uh, And I'm just at times like just I think what we provide is not only a sense of community, but we provide for people who are spending more time at home, something to listen to while at home.
0: That totally makes sense. People are actually able to, to enjoy that music. They're not just rushing about. We have time for just one more caller. I want to squeeze this in. Uh, Bradley is calling from the Tower Grove neighborhood. Um, Bradley, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air.
1: Hey, how's it going? Th- thank you Musically. for. Musically. T-
0: <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh, Bradley, what's your vintage vinyl story?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to share a quick story. Uh, several years ago, I was down in the loop, and Craig Finn from the whole study was playing at the pageant, and I wasn't able to get tickets. But I strolled down, and he was, uh, that afternoon, doing a free set at Vintage Vinyl. I walked in. A staff member immediately handed me a free cold Laffley, and I got to stand 10 feet from Craig Finn and talk to him afterwards. It didn't cost me a dime. And I just want to thank you. I know you guys do those kind of shows all the time, and they really do mean a lot to people.
0: Bradley, thank you. thank you for that. That is just a terrific memory. And I've got one more that came in from Twitter. Alan writes, I have been a vintage vinyl customer since it was a storefront next to the Tivoli. I'd like to thank you, Ray, for all the music you've introduced me to and all the strange requests that you found for me. So, Tom, Ray, this has turned into such a love fest for you today, but I hope it's been as enjoyable for you as as it has been for us. And and I want to thank you so much for joining us.
1: And I just want to say one thing. I hope everybody in this city supports our local media. Like your station, like KETC, like KDHX, because we provide a much more focused and accurate look at what's going on in our community than anybody can in New York or L.A.
0: That was my conversation from September with Tom Papa Ray, the owner of Vintage Vinyl in the Del Mar Loop. You can catch Papa Ray's Vintage Vinyl Roadshow on the Nine Network tonight at 1030.
1: find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air, suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.
0: Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association.